Millennium's church, so we're simply shifting this setup into Millennium Hub. The only reason we're there is because we do not have a ver this venue is booked. There's another meeting happening on the same day here as well. That's the only reason. So we're shifting that. We're going to shift some instruments in there, and, and we'll play our... We'll just have our normal threshold, okay? But in a different venue. Are you with me? So we need help. We need ushering help. We need uh, clearing after kind of help, and serving teas and coffees. Amen. Now, I know some of you might still say, oh, but I'm working, Pastor Phil. I wish you had booked your day off. But if you didn't, time it in such a way that, that so, uh, you can come and attend some sessions. Hello? <laughs> and this is the last month of the year. <laughs> These are strategic meetings, I'm telling you. Yes, sir. Amen? So time it that you can attend some sessions, you can get away, attend some sessions, get in a taxi, rush, get away, get some, get, come and attend some sessions. It will be worth it. Amen. Amen. So these are a few get-togethers. This Saturday, then we have another get-together on the 23rd, which is the Christmas Sunday. You know, very key get-togethers of the year. Then we have the last one, which is the 30th. On the Sunday as well, we'll have communion. That's the last Sunday of the year. We're not running the 31st service in this place. So what you can do is that you can be at Jubilee Central, if you want, on the 31st of December. There is going to be a coming together of different churches for just uh, for, for, for about two hours or so. It's a celebration of a new year in a Christian way. Amen? So instead of being at the pub, be at Jubilee Central. Are you with me? Bright will be preaching there as well. So don't let him have no church there. <laughs> he gets up to preach and they're all strangers. You know, Bright will be preaching there as well. So be there on the 31st of December. Amen. Amen. We're going to have a great time there. All right. We'll see whether we can get the worship team to sing on the 31st there as well. They're actually looking for us. So we'll see. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? And we're going to have a party together there on the 31st. Amen. Amen. Awesome. God is good. And all the time. God is good. Amen. All right. The spirit of sonship. We have been talking on the spirit of sonship. And, and, and I, I talked to you about uh, our call to sonship. God has called us to be his children. Amen. I said the thing that matters most to God is does he have children on the face of the earth? Because he wants to work through children. Because his children are the most perfect representatives of the Father. Then I talked to you again uh, at the second time. I talked to you about the greatest name. That you have the greatest name above all your names and names around. And the greatest name you have is God's son or child of God. There is no other greater title that you will be given on earth, in heaven, on earth below, than the title, child of God, or son. Are you with me? So you have arrived. This is it. A few years ago, we had uh, Pastor Topless. Do you remember him? Sarah Topless's dad. And I like the fact that he likes to say things like, this is it. And he points at himself. And he says, this is the glory of God. You're looking at it. 
Because you've arrived. This is it. When God calls you son, this is it. What you need now is to learn what this thing is. Learn who you really are. Because there's not going to be conferred upon you another title. A title called pastor is less than son. A title called apostle is still less than son. Are you with me? Even if they called you Pope, you're not greater than son. Because then that would make you greater than Jesus. Who is called the son of God? So there's not going to be another title upon your life. Oh, just when they call me deacon, then I will have the anointing. When they call me elder, Shanda Kubra Shidae. Now, it's not going to change anything. You have arrived. When we call you a child of God, then you know I have arrived. Now is to learn to walk like a child. The Apostle Paul says, when I was young, I did everything like a child. Now I'm old. Are you with me? Maturity. The name son means maturity. I'm just recapping all these things I've said to you. It means maturing. Ability to represent the father as a mature child. That's what it also means. Hello? So now it's time to just grow up and be the child whom God said you are. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Amen. So today I want to talk to you about the nature of sons. Okay? The nature of sons. <laughs> what do sons look like? What do sons do? What kind of attitude do they have? So I will just deal with two points on what sons look like and two points on the kind of attitude the sons have. Are you with me? Awesome. The nature of what? Sons. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verse 15. I said Colossians. Colossians. Not Corinthians. Colossians chapter 1. And I'm going to read verse 15. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. It says, maybe let's start from 14 so we understand. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of our sins. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Amen. Are you with me? I'm going to talk about the nature of sons. And as soon as I open Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, it begins to describe Jesus. It is describing Jesus because it's describing his nature as the son of God. Are you with me? And I'm interested in how it is describing him. 
When I talked about this subject a few weeks ago, I ended in Isaiah chapter 11. Do you remember? In Isaiah chapter 11, when it says the Spirit of God will rest upon him. And then it begins to say the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. And the Spirit of and <laughs> I love you too. I love you too. I'm teaching you things. You should be writing them down. Eh? These make sure you memorize them. These six things make sure you memorize them. Turn to Isaiah 11. As a good teacher, I've just realized I left you there. So I need you to open there. Isaiah 11. The spirit, these are upon your life. Huh? Knowledge, understanding, wisdom, and... You're still not finding it. Hello? <laughs> so, this is like... I, that's where I left it. And I want to pick it from there. Okay? What do sons look like? They carry the spirit of God. Hello? And because they carry the spirit of God, sons therefore become the visible image of the invisible God. Hello? Because that scripture in Colossians we read, it says, Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. It says the same in Hebrews chapter 1, by the way. And when it says that, it begins to say, why is he that? So that he may be the firstborn of every creature. Are you with me? In your house there is a firstborn? Yeah? The firstborn in your family? Some of you are firstborns? I'm not. I don't have that privilege. Hello? The firstborn in the family? By looking at you, I know the firstborn in your family is a human being. <laughs> okay? Your firstborn is not a cat. It's a human being. Yes. Right? Yeah. The day your parents had the firstborn in your family, they were confident they can have more children now. <laughs> human beings. Are you with me? Well, I'm trying to make a point. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. But he becomes the firstborn of all that are called the children of God. Yeah. My goodness. How does he become the firstborn? Because it means the same spirit that makes him the child of God is the same spirit that makes us children of God. If he's a visible representation of the invisible father, then we become the visible representation of the invisible God as well. Are you with me? This is why in John chapter 14, I love the scripture, I'm going to come to it later. When Philip said to Jesus, show us the Father, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because what? I am the visible representation of the Father. Don't get it twisted. If you can't see me, you're not seeing the Father either. Do you understand this is the same principle God uses when he says, you can't say that you love God if you don't love your neighbor whom you can see. 
It's a simple principle that God has always used in his word. Are you with me? So, the son becomes the visible representation of the father. You, as a child of God, you are the visible representation of God the Father. Are you with me? This is it. And people say, where is God? I can't see God. Just tell them, watch me. I am a proper representative of God. Hello? Yeah, most of you are not confident to say something like that. But it's true. This is the nature of sons. When we became children of God, we became representatives visibly of the Father. It's dangerous to mess with you. When you understand this, then you understand it's very dangerous for people to mess around with you. Mess about with your life. And it also becomes dangerous for you to mess other people up. This begins to be the law of love. Because of this understanding, you learn to love people. You learn to respect people. Hello? Because you don't know. You might be dealing with a visible of the Father. There's a story in the Bible that I'm reminded of. Then I'm going to move on to the next point. I'm reminded of this story in the Bible. When they decided that they're going to persecute the disciples. They said, let's stop them. Let's kill them. And a wise man amongst them called Gamaliel, a professor of the law, stood up in the council and said to all of them, gentlemen, listen. We have seen other people rise as saviors. And once we have killed their leader... The group has fallen. This one also. Their leader we have killed, right? So, if if we continue to persecute them, we'll find ourselves in trouble because we could be fighting God himself. He said, if we keep fighting Peter, we could end up fighting God himself. I don't know whether you get it. You see, you should learn to understand that you are a child of God. You have become a visible representative of God, the unseen. I'm not making you God, but there's a case for that. But I won't go there. Some of you won't understand it. I'm saying you have become a representative of God the Father. So you should learn to step out of the way when people try to fight you. Because it's not you they're going to fight. Gamaliel stood up and said, hey, let's stop. Let us stop this nonsense because we can end up fighting against God. But he's talking about Peter. Stop fighting Peter because if Peter is a representative of God, you are going to end up fighting God. Hello? And because of that, everybody went, yeah, let's let them go. And boy, were they right. Hallelujah. This is the nature of sons. Amen. And this is why we receive the spirit of God in us. I want you to understand that. You cannot become a child of God unless you receive the Holy Spirit in you. This is why the Bible says in Romans 8, we have received the spirit by whom we cry what? Abba Father. Because this nature only comes to us by the Holy Spirit. God takes his own nature... 
and gives it to us. Hello? How many know the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God? It means it doesn't belong to you. But God takes of His Spirit and gives that to you. Let me explain much clearly. There's a story in the Bible of Moses. When Moses was in the mountain complaining about the people, God said to him, bring me all your leaders, 70 of them. When Moses brought the leaders into the mountain, God said, okay, I've heard you. So I'm going to take the spirit that is on you, because you are a good leader, Moses. I love you. I'm going to take of your spirit and I'm going to give, share it to the rest of the leaders. So they become like you. That's a picture you should be seeing. For God to make you like himself, he takes the spirit, God's own spirit, and puts that on you. So in nature, you become a child of God. Are you with me? By the spirit of God. So we don't become children of God because of what we do. We become children of God because the Holy Spirit makes us children of God. It's not by mind, no, by power. But by the Spirit of God. So you become a child of God by the Holy Spirit making you. It's very important that you understand this distinction. When you understand this as a child of God, then you understand you have to be a child of God. You become a child of God. You don't do to become a child of God. Hello? It's not in the doing. It is in the being. I'm a child Oh God, because the Holy Spirit has transformed me into a child of God. These are truths you must know. So it is not about doing first. Hello? You are created in you like God. He puts the Holy Spirit. He comes on you. The same Spirit that is upon Jesus. The same Holy Spirit that belongs to God. He searches the mind of God. The same Holy Spirit comes in you and births you as a child of God. In nature, you stand and look like a child of God. You are a child of God. Now, whether you behave like one is another story. Because you can be born in the royal family. You are a child of a king. Now, whether you behave like one. You know, you know, you know Prince Harry has had all these moments, right? Where he didn't behave like one. You know, and the press had a field day because he didn't behave like a royal. And they plastered him over the front pages and, and made it look like news. Okay, that's not news, by the way. It's, it's, it's really like far from news. You know, <laughs> they're just taking advantage of somebody. And, you know, most of you think that's news. Let it be about you. Then you will know it's not news. <laughs> It's not news at all. But listen, are you with me? Born in the royal family, yes. But do you behave like one? Well, that's another story altogether. What I'm talking about is you have become a child of God. The day you gave your life to Jesus, in nature, you are now a child of God. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Uh Huh? Last week, I used this, uh, not last week, a week, two weeks ago, I used the story of when Jesus was rising up from the water after being baptized by John the Baptist, the heavens opened, and the Father said, This is my Son, in whom I'm well pleased. 
my son. He called him my son. When God had the opportunity to announce the title that he is going to call this powerful man, he chose the title son. But do you know what happened immediately after that? The Bible says the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted of the devil. And do you know what temptation the devil came with? If you are a child of God, turn these stones into bread. Hello? Most of you, that's what has happened to you. The enemy has challenged you to the core. If you are the son of God, why is this happening to you? He did it to Jesus. But listen, it is your nature that you are a child of God. Bread or no bread. It's undeniable. You see, you see my color. You see, in my family, I'm the darkest person. And some of you are wondering, yeah, even among black people, I'm a darker. <laughs> it's all right. So in my family, you know what they do. Like, I've just come from a family wedding, right? And we're, when we're taking a selfie, you know, these, these wonderful cameras, and, and they can't see, and they touch at the darkest point. <laughs> they always say, press the fill button. <laughs> Very cheeky family members I have. And they'll touch it because they have to do it so that I can also be seen. They go to the darkest point in the picture. It's all right, but I'm the most beautiful. <laughs> or is it handsome, whatever you call me. But listen. Yeah? <laughs> now I've even lost my track of what I was talking about. <laughs> Let's keep going. As dark as I am, and some members are lighter than me. Some, you know, but you see, they cannot say to me, I'm not a child of that family. It doesn't disqualify me at all. Hello? Nothing changes. It's the same thing for all of us. There's stuff happening around you. And the devil keeps saying, well, if you are a child of God. Well, he tried it with Jesus. And he got it back. Because Jesus said to him, hey, I know better. I'm a child. He didn't even answer that question. So let me prove to you that I'm a child of God. You would think that was a good point for Jesus to start proving the point. Yeah. But he just says, no, I know your way you work, devil. You know, man should not leave my bread alone. Bye. I am a child of God. I'm not even going to answer you. If the enemy comes to you and says, oh, well, perhaps you're not a son of God. Look what's happening to you. You're not even going to answer that. You're going to turn around and you say, well, man shall not live by. Yeah, but by every word that comes from the... No, 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 it doesn't say mouth of God. Of the Father. This is the Son speaking. Wow. Every word that is coming from the mouth of the Father. You want me to prove that I'm a child of God? I live by the words of my Father. Hello? Are you with me? So you have become a visible representative of the Father. Are you with me? The second point I'm going to make is the nature of sons. Sons are the Father's glory. Hello? You should feel good about this. This is it. You are the glory of God. There is no other greater glory on earth of God than you. 
Let's go to John 17, verse, verse 1. Then we will understand what I mean. Sons are the Father's glory. Woo. I'm telling you, this stuff will change the way you walk. It will change the way you look at yourself. It puts confidence in you. And it's not psychological trickery. It is just understanding the word of God and what it really says about you. Sons are the Father's glory. John 17 verse 1, Jesus is praying. Are you there? Jesus says these words, the Bible says these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. Hello? Does it say that in your Bible? Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. Keyword glorify means exalt your son, make your son honored, right? Let your son shine, let your son look great. He says, Glorify your son. He's talking about himself. Glorify me, exalt me. I know you're too humble, you've never prayed like that, and yet that's how Jesus starts his prayer. Jesus goes about his prayer by saying, God, exalt me. Show me in the light. Do you understand what glorify means? Beautify me. I want you to understand how he's praying. I'm making a point here. But he says, glorify your son, Father. Glorify me. Make me look great. You see, we, most of us don't pray like that, but we really just want to look great. <laughs> now, then there's a problem. But I show you why he's praying like that. He says, make me look so great, so that you may be glorified in me. Are you with me? So that you may be glorified in me. Sons are the Father's glory. Why is Jesus praying like this? Because he understands that if I don't become glorified, beautified, my father is not going to look beautiful. You see, I'm a father. This boy here likes to play football. And it is my job to glorify him. Here's my job. Get him the best pair of boots I can get him. Right? I said the best pair I can get. (laughs) It's not the other way around. (laughs) It's not the best pair you want. (laughs) But I get him the best pair of boots I can get him. Get him in shape. Help him out. Let him have good food in the house. Right? Glorify him. Take my son out there looking okay and have good confidence. You know, talk to him nicely. Say, you're good enough. You can do this. You're all right. No, you're good. And he will go out there. But you see, when I put that confidence in him, and he goes out there, he's looking good, he's looking the pat, and I pay for his subscription so that he may have the uniform and all that, and he goes there. I have glorified my son. When he gets in the stadium and he scores himself a hat trick, <laughs> like he did the other week, and he rang me when I was in Zambia. Dad, dad, I scored a hot trick today. <laughs> but do you know why he was ringing me? That glorifies me. Yeah. His glory is really mine. 
Are you with me? If he doesn't look great, it's not about him. The impact for him might be later on in the future, right? But now it's really not about me. It's about me. It's about what kind of a father are you? You can't take care of your own kids. That's what it's going to be. I'm going to feel it more than him. Right now. But then when he grows older, maybe he can feel the impact. But now, he's, I'm going to feel it more than him. It's amazing that when we go to football and he plays really well. You know, parents have the habit of saying, well done, Asante, well done. Oh, Philip, your son did really great. Because I take part, I take glory from his doings. Now that is just on earth. It is not even perfect. But I want you to understand how the father takes glory from earth. He doesn't take glory from earth because you say, God, I give you glory. He takes glory from earth because you have been glorified by him. He glorifies you, which means he exalts you. He gives you a good name that he may be glorified in you. So when the people will see you, they will glorify. Matthew 5, Jesus said this. Let your light shine before men that they may see. Right? And then he says, when they, they may see your good deeds. And he says... Then when they see your good deeds, they will glorify my Father in heaven. Hallelujah. So you have now a right, just like Jesus had, to go in prayer and understand, number one, I'm a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, number two, the glory of my Father is resting on my shoulders, is relying on me. If this earth is going to glorify the Father, it is sons that must be glorified. So you can begin to pray about your situation and begin to say, Father, glorify me. Because you have an understanding. Hello? You see, some of you, you're going to need a lot of mind washing to come to this place. Because the world has really brainwashed you. And you're thinking that God doesn't want to lift you up. You think, no, God wants you to be humble. And we equate that to poverty, lack, and, and, uh, and, and a life of misery. No, I've lived as a poor man before, lacking food and lacking everything. And I don't believe it glorifies God. No, I don't. If I had my way, I would wipe out all poverty from the face of the earth. Because poverty is a terrible, terrible place to be. But you see, we who have food in the fridge, we like saying to the poor, it's okay. It doesn't matter that much. It matters if a person cannot afford food. Okay, we should admit if we can't do anything about it, that's another story. But to start thinking it's okay, it glorifies God when people cannot have food? Nah. There is no glory. I can't sit in my house and my children don't have food and tell them it's okay. It doesn't glorify me at all. If my wife walks out there, she has no clothes on her back, she's hungry, she's looking worse than when I married her, it doesn't glorify me. 
How dare we think God is glorified when people suffer? I'll tell you what should be happening. When we come into the place as children of God, where we understand that we are the Father's glory, we will now be busy making sure the Father is glorified everywhere we go. It is the very reason why we will lift the poor up. Are you with me? It is the very reason we will say, no, 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 no. The Father is not glorified in this poverty. And we are the ones that are going to step in and kick poverty out of our lives. Hello? There's a reason why when I go to visit some of my people that I don't have anything, I will carry the lots of suitcases to make sure they look much better. I don't want to turn up in there and be the best dressed, look the best, and... And some of you, if you come from families where that's what it's about, you need to change it. You're a child of God. Your family shouldn't be about competition. I'm the best dressed. I drive the best. I live the best. Oh, bye, poor people. No. We lift people out. Because that stuff does not glorify God. Hello? Hello? Yeah? Are you with me? We are the Father's glory. So this is the reason why we become good Samaritans. Because this guy lying down, beaten up by life. He's supposed to be the Father's glory. Are you, are you, do you know where I am? Yeah. I'm at the good Samaritan story. Yeah. He's lying down, he's beaten up by life. We don't go around him. No, we stop because we are the Father's glory. So everybody must become the Father's glory. So we stop to say we will mend you until you become the Father's glory too. We're not going to leave you on the ground. That's the responsibility of being a child of God. We are the Father's glory. And everywhere we go, we make the Father's glory arrive. If you arrive in a home and there is strife, the Father's glory has just arrived. Before I leave this house, the Father's glory will manifest. Are you with me? I was telling you of the story of what I got just being in Zambia last week and just realizing me preaching to two kids, an eight-year-old and a six-year-old started something that has changed that family. That they are now serving God. Their parents are elders in the church and the kids are serving God. One of them is a worship leader. Worship leading in China. <laughs> you got a Zambian boy in dreadlocks worship leading in China. <laughs> Interesting. Hello? But what? That is what me being a child of God in that home when I was 18 has done. God just permitted me to stay with them for about six, seven months. That's all. And look what it has done. I didn't even know. I didn't know why they wanted me to come all the time. I turned up and they start telling me all these stories. They were crying. They were telling me these stories. These are people to me who are way older than me. And they're telling me these stories. And I'm going, wow. Are you with me? We are sons. Are you with me? We are the glory of the Father. Mm. You see, nothing can beat you when you understand that. There's a story in the Bible, and I'm going to finish. There's a story, in the, not in the Bible, sorry, but there's a story in history, in church history, of a bishop of Smyrna called Polycarp. I told you this story, right? 
before. Polycarp, who was, who, who was a bishop of Smyrna and he was persecuted. Persecuted to the point of death. And when his captors came and they captured him and they took him to the torture stake, they tied him around the, the tree. They wanted to crucify him like Jesus. He refused. He said, I don't want to be crucified like my savior. So they instead just tied him to a torture stake and they would put wood around him, firewood around him. And they said they would burn him. And the story said, when they lit the fire, the fire refused to consume him. That's what the story says. It refused to consume him. The fire burnt outward, missing his body. To such an extent that they got so fed up with him not dying from the fire that they took a spear and pierced his chest. How do you kill a man you've already set on fire with a spear? You've already set him on fire. This is how when you understand you are the father's glory, nothing will touch you. Listen to me. This is why the lions could not eat Daniel. This is why the fire could not burn Shadrach, Meshach, and the bad Negro. <laughs> I can say that. <laughs> Are you with me? I've said that so many times, I've forgotten his name. <laughs> but are you with me? This is why. Listen, the things you're worried about cannot touch you if you understand I am the Father's glory. You see, even in death, even if you were to die, even in death, God will still glorify you. Amen. There's a story of Stephen being stunned. And they think they have won. They're killing him in Acts chapter 9. They're killing him. They think they have won. And the Bible says the guy opened his eyes and he began to speak. How does a man they are stoning begin to speak? He says, I see Jesus on the right hand of the Father, standing on the right hand of the Father. Are you with me? And the Bible says they were infuriated. They were convicted in them. How do you get convicted by a guy you are killing? He is the Father's glory. Which brings me to the point, Stephen, are you feeling any pain from these stones? If you're beginning to preach when they are stoning you, are these stones having an impact? Are you with me? They are stoning you to shut up and yet your eyes open to greater things. Gosh. You see, there's a grace of martyrdom. <laughs> and we will meet them in heaven one day and they will tell us, Amen. you guys were so worried about sticks and stones. You were worried about them, but listen, when you pass from death to life, <laughs> you pass from death to life. It is more glorious. Hello? God will always glorify you. Doesn't matter who's trying to get rid of you, who's trying to suck you, who's trying to deny you of your right. It doesn't matter who they are. God will always glorify you. Some of the glories you will receive even right here on earth, it will come full circle and you will realize, wow. I was telling you my story that I wasn't in a good place. I won't go into details, but I wasn't in a good place when this thing happens. But two, uh, 20 years later, I returned to the, 22 years actually, to be precise. I returned to the same house 
and I'm so glorified. They won't do anything until I'm, I give advice. I've been giving advice on very deep things in their family. They were calling their relatives to say, oh, Pastor Phil is here. I'm no longer uncle, by the way. Pastor Phil is here. I prayed for my, my niece's friends, my nephew's friends. I, I, I talked to so many people that I could even handle. The same house. And that's just a little something. Are you with me? So God will allow you that you will still be glorified. Because you are his child. Because you being glorified is what gives him what? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me finish by talking about these B attitudes. Okay? Attitudes of sons. Sons have these two attitudes. I'm just going to touch on two and then that's it. There's too many things I'm going to touch on as we go along. I'll carry this into January, so don't worry. Sons, the children of God, they have these attitudes. Number one, they live for the Father. Jesus said in John 14, 8 to 10, if you see me, you have seen the Father, right? This is an attitude of true submission. Hello? Hello? To, when you're a child of God, and these attitudes are the ones now that make a difference, whether you really experience what I'm talking about as a child of God. Have an attitude of submission. You know? Yeah. All I want is for you, for you to be glorified, for you to be lifted up. Hello? Your attitude is for your glory. I will do anything just to see you, to behold you as my king. Are you with me? You begin, you, your attitude must be to live for your father. When you have that attitude as a son, the father already has the attitude of living for you. This is why he gave you his best in Jesus Christ. The father has the attitude of all his glory is for you. For what glory does really a father have unless his children partake in it? There is no glory in me being the richest man in the earth and my children are poor. The father's glory is for you already. But the problem is sons want glory for themselves. And it doesn't work. This is the story of the prodigal son when he wanted glory for himself and he took the father's glory and he went and it all diminished, it finished. Why? Because glory without a father will always diminish. Because father means source. Continuous supply. That's what the word father means. So when you detach yourself from a father and want to seek glory for yourself, guess what's going to happen? You will have it, but for a moment. And it will what? Finish. Yeah. It's like saying, I now I've got taps in my house. Hallelujah. There's running water. Let's cut off the water board. Let's cut off Yorkshire water. Is it Yorkshire water? Let's cut off Yorkshire water. I don't need them anymore. We've got water taps in this house. <laughs> you fool. Because you're soon going to have dry taps. Hello? Father is continuous supply. So it is up to you now to begin to live for his glory. 
Because when you change your mind and you begin to say, I'm going to live for God's glory. God, I want you to be lifted up in my life. I want people to see you in my life. I want to live for your glory. Hello? You turn the taps on. Hello? Hello? Sons live for the Father. This is why Jesus says, hey, even the things you have seen me do. They are saying, Jesus, Jesus has done the greatest, some of the greatest miracles on the face of the earth, right? He walks on water. He does all sorts of things. Heals the sick, raises the dead. And then he concludes this way. Everything you have seen me do, I'm still in John 14. I have seen the Father do. In other words, Father, this is the Father's glory. You see, until you are ready, until you are ready to understand the grace of fatherhood. And it starts also in the natural. This is why on earth God gives us fathers. Some of us not quite so wonderful fathers. Some of us we can say my dad is great. My best friend. Bless you. Some of us can say I never knew my dad. And again bless you. Listen to me. All these challenges, challenges we have with parents yeah, and fathers. They are still... God wants through it to teach us that life is only sustained under submission to fathers. Whether they are great or not is not the deal. Your dad doesn't have to be great. You should come next week. I'll talk to you about what if my father was perfect. You know, I'll talk to you about that. But listen, your dad doesn't have to be the greatest. Your dad just has to be the point of training how to learn submission. The weaker his character was, the tougher the job you have to learn submission. Because he looks like a man who doesn't deserve your submission. So some of you who had great dads or you have great dads, it's okay because you don't have such a tough challenge to learn submission to your father. But some of you who had very harsh fathers or absent fathers even, you have a greater task. I was dealing with one of the kids, again one of my relatives, 18 years old, just last week. Mighty kid. God is on her life. She's so young. But God can open her eyes and she will see visions and, 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 and she actually said this to me. I, I've stopped praying. I'm scared. I'm like, why are you scared? She says, because every time I begin to pray, I begin to see things. And I don't know what to do. But as I'm talking to her, I picked up the issue. The, pick, the issue was submission. Because if she knew a father, she would get help spiritually. And she would continue praying. Because this is God opening her eyes. You, you look at her, you see the grace of God. Like this God has just given you. Like she will go to bed and just dream exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay, this is my niece. But listen, as I'm talking to her, I pick up, oh, it's a father issue. So I sit down and I said, let's talk about your earthly father first before I talk about spiritual. And all of a sudden she changes, her face changes. She becomes really bitter. She begins to cry, she begins to shake. And I see a bitter demon in her life. And I begin to pray with her. My sister joins me, we start to pray with her. And something lifts off of her life. And we start talking. But I know the story. She's had an absent father. An absent father who last saw her when she was 11. 
Now she's 18. And that has sipped in. And because of that, it is creating a spirit of rebellion that this kid now is failing to serve God who has gifted her so much. Are you with me? I'm talking to you. Listen, I don't care, I don't care, but maybe I do care. <laughs> it is, it, yes, your father did stuff, but listen, very carefully. You still have to learn what submission is. You still have to love the man. I have this task for people, a very simple task. What good trait did you receive from your father? Glorify him for that. I'm talking about your earthly father, because it starts there. There's something good. Even there's something good about him. There's, there's, there's one little thing. And if you say, no, you don't know my dad. There's nothing good about him. At some point, your mom thought there was something good about him. In most cases. <laughs> okay? So, th- there could be something. Hello? There could be something. You know? It could be, you know, your nose, the way it comes down. It's his. You know, there could be something. But I want you to just practice. Just I will, I will glorify him for this. Oh, you see, I got this from my, from my dad. Hello? You think it's a small thing. But if you pick up something like that, then you begin to understand how you submit to God as your father and you relate to him as your father. Are you with me? Then you find it much easier to live for a father. Hello? And some of you, it's just outright forgiveness. You've got to learn to kneel down and forgive your parents. They might have done stuff, but it's up to you to kneel down and say, God, I forgive my parents. Are you with me? For some of you, that's what it is. It's not denying that stuff has happened, but it's kneeling down and saying, because I understand that God uses parents to teach me submission, I'm going to kneel down and forgive them in submission to them as parents. Doesn't mean you're going to go and disobey God and do everything they want you to do, which is in disobedience to God. It doesn't mean any of that. It's attitude. I told you these are attitudes. Hello? Are you with me? If you see me, you see the greatness of my father. That's what Jesus was saying. Can you say that? Before you say it about God, say it about your parents. You see, the Zulus of South Africa, or the Ngonis of Southern Africa, have a wonderful tradition of singing praises of their ancestors. So when they win a battle, they will not say, this is Asante who has won the battle. They will be saying, this is Asante of the Bandas, son of Philip, son of Washington. My dad was Washington. I don't know where he got that name. <laughs> son of, are you with me? Yeah. Of Mzenga, that's my grandparent. And that's my name too. Son of, and, and that's how, that's how they will praise somebody. They will praise their ancestors. There's a lesson to be learned out of that. Hello? Your glory comes from the Father. When you learn to glorify those that are ahead of you and not live just for your own personal glory, you end up glorifying God. 
And when you learn to live for God's glory, you as a child of God will also be glorified. Hello? So have this attitude. I live for my Father. I live for my Father. Let's stretch that into the next attitude and we finish. Sons think bigger than themselves. Okay? It sounds like the same thing. But I'm stretching it. Matthew 6.33, Jesus said, Seek you first there. Because that's what sons do. Seek ye first the, the kingdom of Oguntona. Seek ye first the kingdom of Sokamis. <laughs> or is it the kingdom of Sidziba? Eh? The kingdom of Russell. <laughs> Seek ye first the kingdom of Sons think bigger than themselves. When Jesus is talking about this, are you still with me or should I stop? You're with me? Five more minutes, I'm going to finish. Okay, when Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, he is comparing it with this. Don't be like pagans. They are more worried about what they will eat, what they will wear. Or where they will live. But you be different. Seek first the kingdom of God. He's saying. Don't be seeking. Your, just, just be focused. And preoccupied with yourself. Think bigger than that. So this is positive. It's not negative. It's, it's not saying you don't have to wear clothes. It's not saying you don't have to eat. But it's saying. In your seeking. The bigger thing is what you should be seeking. Because people are spending the rest of their lives on earth seeking better food, right? And you know, there's there's actually no end to that. You can eat in the best restaurants. There will be another chef that comes up and makes some food and their food will be eat. And you go eat it and there will be, are you with me? Some of the food we're eating now, those, you go back 50 years back, they would kill for such food. The food we're eating in our house. Uh-huh. I told you, you know, who was this I was talking about? The technology we have on our cell phones right now is greater than the technology that was on the first rocket that landed, uh, not landed, but orbited the moon successfully by the Russians in 1959. The, the, the food, the, the, I mean, the, the, the phone in your pocket has more technology right now. There is no end to seeking these things. There is really no end. When you've got the biggest house in the neighborhood, another one will have, it doesn't mean it's the biggest house in the world. Hello? When you've got towers, you want the White House. I'm not talking about anyone. (laughs) Some of it went... (laughs) Are you with me? There is no end to seeking things. There's literally not going to be an end to that. So you're going to think bigger than that. And bigger does not mean seek 
Therefore, to dominate the world. That's not bigger. There will never be end to material things. He's talking about realms here. He's comparing food and clothes to the kingdom. Those are different realms. Are you with me? The kingdom of God is spiritual realm. He's talking about put your mind on your father, the source of life, and his business, his kingdom. I spent some time talking to workers in Ghana, a few, 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 <laughs> they gave me this shirt. Just to prove to you, my word was good. <laughs> about 30 workers, my friend's company, and I, about 50, 60 of them. I spoke to them about seeking first the kingdom of God. <coughs> and here's how I spoke to them, and I'm going to end there. I spoke to them from, from the story of talents in Matthew 25. That Jesus says the father left talents. That there was a master. He says the kingdom of God is like this. There's a master that was going away for a long time. And he took three of his workers and he gave them talents, investment, money. He gave to one five talents. He gave to another two. And to another he gave one talent. And he says after a long time he returned and he called them in, the three sevens. He said to the first one, the one he gave five, what have you done? The five, the five guys said, I've made profit. Five more, which is 100% profit. If you, yeah, yeah, I'm right. Business school people, yeah. 5% profit. I mean 100% profit. I've got 10. The master says, well done, good and faithful seven. And here's a phrase I want you to memorize. Enter now into my joy. The second one came. How much have you made with my talents? He says, what? Two more. So he's turned two into four. The master says, well done. Good and faithful servant. And he changes his position from servant now. He says again, enter now into my joy. Simply means now become my child. The third one comes and he says, I was scared of you. I didn't do anything with it. I hid it into the ground because I was scared. You would want it. And the master says, this is wicked. You cannot enter into my joy, right? You cannot become my child. Sons seek the kingdom. The five talent man and the two talent man understood. They left everything they had and started to live for the five talents. For the father's kingdom. I want my master to find this multiplied. I want him to be happy with his investment. Are you with me? I can feel the Holy Ghost right there. You know, I, I, and they, they left everything they had. The one talent man, don't tell me he wasn't eating all this time. He was seeking his own stuff. He took the master's kingdom. He did. He didn't care for it to grow. But he was surviving, making his own stuff happen. That's why the master is saying, you are wicked. Because chances are, he has increased his own stuff. But not his master. So he says, you are wicked. Are you with me? If you're going to learn to be a child of God, the attitude to think bigger... Thinking bigger is not about uh, start thinking about a Rolls Royce. 
Praise God if you can drive one. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, it's not going to get you into heaven. <laughs> may God, it may get you the best clubs and best hotels, but it's not going to get you into heaven. <laughs> 